Amen. You guys go ahead and be seated. Good morning. Have you guys had a good weekend? Glad you're here. If it's your first time, we're, we're glad you're here. If you've been with us for a long time, glad you're here and excited about this morning. We're going to continue our series on the minor prophets. We started this last week. We looked at uh, the prophet Hosea. Uh, and today we're going to be looking at the prophet Joel. Um, and so these minor prophets were people who God called, much like the other prophets, uh, to declare a message to his people, um, to declare to the Israelites, the Jewish people, to return to him, to come back to him. Most of them um, had a theme in, in the, the messages that they proclaimed, and that theme was um, the day of the Lord. And the day of the Lord was really, uh, for the Jewish people, any time that the Lord moved in a way that um, it brought or warned of judgment, but also gave hope uh, through the midst of that too, that they're, they're, they could return, that they could come back to him and be restored. And so um, as we look at Joel, this is very much what he's doing. He is calling these people um, of, of Judah, these Israelite people back to God. He is literally saying, return to me, um, come to me. You know, you, you've gone your own way, but come back to me is what Joel is declaring. Now, if you look at chapter one of Joel, what you see is Joel is talking to them about a past day of the Lord, um, a past judgment that God had brought on them through locusts who had come in and eaten the crops. And he's talking to them about this. But what he tells them is that this particular judgment is pointing to something greater, is pointing to another judgment that is in the future. And we're going to be in Joel chapter 2. And uh, we're going to actually pick up reading in verse 12. But in the first 11 verses, God describes this, um, this judgment, this day of the Lord that is going to come. And he's, he's speaking this through Joel. And I want us to see what God uh, tells them as, they, uh, as Joel is delivering this message. So if you will, turn in your Bibles, your phone, however you're following along there uh, to Joel chapter 2. As I said in verse 11, or 1 through 11, he's describing this future day of the Lord that will take place. Um, and then in verse 12, he really summons the people. He, he, it's a summons. It's a, it's a calling them that he, he does. And so I want you to see this, and we're going to talk about this. Um, but first of all, let's pray, and then we'll jump into what the prophet Joel has to say to us. Lord, we thank you for this morning. We thank you, God, that we're able to be here and worship, Lord, that we're able to hear your word. Lord, would you speak through your word today? Lord, I pray that your spirit would speak loudly. Lord, I pray that we would have ears to hear what he is saying today. Lord, I thank you that your word is living and active. Lord, I pray today that it would pierce our hearts Draw us near to you. And God, set us free from anything that's hindering us. I know, Lord, this, that you are here to heal and restore. Lord, that you are here to heal and restore the brokenhearted. You're here, here to restore joy. You're here to give us back our praise, our worship of you. Lord, and I thank you for that. I praise you, Lord, for this time right now. Be glorified in Jesus' name. Amen. I mean, so as we come into this book of Joel, and we're looking at the 11th 
verse in chapter 2. Um, remember, this, this uh, call has gone forth, this warning has gone forth about this impending day of the Lord, this impending judgment that will come upon the people because they have wandered away from God, they've turned their back on God, they've gone after their own uh, ways, their own desires. They have begun to worship other gods. They're mixing and mingling in with other people. And so we see that God now brings this summons and he really calls them uh, to himself. Listen to this in verse 12. It says, even now, and so think about it, even now, the power of those words, even now, even now, though you've wandered away, even now, though you've turned your back on me, he's saying, even now, declares the Lord, return to me with all your heart, with fasting and weeping and mourning. Rend your heart and not your garments. Return to the Lord your God, for he is gracious and compassionate, slow to anger and abounding in love, and he relents from sending calamity. Listen, the first thing we see in this is God makes a plea. In this summons to his people, he makes this plea. He's pleading with them. And what he's saying, he's saying, return to me. Come to me. Look, you who wandered away, come back to me. And this is not just something that God is saying through the prophet Joel. This is something that God has been saying since Genesis chapter 3, when sin entered the world. You think about this. It says that when Adam and Eve sinned, um, it says that God came walking through the garden. And what did he say? He says, where are you, Adam? Where are you? In other words, Adam, come to me. Where are you at? Where, what are you doing? It wasn't because he didn't know where Adam was, but it was a summons. It was a plea. Come to me, Adam. You go through scripture. This continues, this, this plea of God to come to me, come to me, come to me. It continues all the way through. You get to the book of Revelation. At the end of the book of Revelation, it says this. It says, the spirit and the bride say, come. To all those who are thirsty, come and drink. And we see that cry of God's heart all the way through scripture. That through it all, God's saying, come to me. And I believe this today, that God is saying to us, come to me, come to me. Return to me. How many of you uh, like sunflower seeds? Anybody like sunflower seeds? Do you like sunflower seeds? What's your favorite flavor? I can't hear you, never mind. Um, these are sizzling bacon. Yeah? Bacon's good with anything, right? Especially on sunflower seeds. So sunflower seeds, you know, you, you uh, eat them, you know, maybe ball games, whatever. But, but the thing is with this, and the Bible doesn't necessarily talk about sunflower seeds, but it talks a lot about seeds. And it compares God's word to a seed. And it says that if our hearts are right, then the seed of God's word can be planted into our heart and it will produce fruit. If our heart is good soil, that that seed is sown and can produce fruit in our lives. Here's the thing that happens every time God's word is read, declared, every time we experience God's word, one of two things happens. Either we receive the word in good soul, in a softened heart, or our hearts are hardened. When the word of God comes, our hearts are hardened or our hearts are softened. 
And here's my challenge to you today. We just sang songs and they, the, 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 the worship team who is so good, so gifted, have such great hearts themselves. They've, they've led us to worship God, hopefully to prepare our hearts to receive. My challenge to you and my question to you today is as we hear God's plea to us to come to him to return, here's my question to you. Will you receive the seed of God's word into your heart so that it produces life or will you reject it and your heart become hardened. Which one will it be? Will you receive it or reject it? And see, here's the thing. If you do nothing with it, you have still made a choice and you still neglected God's word. My prayer, and I know God's plea, is that you would receive the seed of his word into your heart, that your heart would be softened. I pray that your hearts would be softened to receive this. See, here's the thing that we need to re realize. And, and inside this, right? See how fast I did that? I'm pretty good at that because when I played baseball at Georgia Southern, I had a lot of time on the bench to eat sunflower seeds. And so, so you've got um, the seed, you've got the shell or the hole. And the Bible talks about this. It talks a lot about the wheat and the chaff the seed, and the whole. And what it tells us is that one day God will separate. He will, he will separate the, the wheat from the chaff. In fact, let's look at Matthew chapter 3 real quick. Matthew chapter 3, if you can go there. Um, or just listen. Matthew chapter 3. John the Baptist, who came before Jesus preaching a message of repentance, in other words, calling them to turn back to God, this is what he says. He says, I baptize you with water for repentance, but after me comes one who is more powerful than I, whose sandals I'm not worthy to carry. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. Listen to this. His winnowing fork, the winnowing fork was what they would take the wheat and they'd throw it into the air. And they do this in open areas because what would happen is when they threw it up into the air, the, the, the chaff would be blown away and then the wheat would fall to the ground. They would separate it. And so what he's saying is Jesus' winnowing fork is in his hand. And he says, he will clear his threshing floor where they would thresh the wheat, gathering his wheat into the barn and burning up the chaff with unquenchable fire. What's he doing? He's saying, look, if you're like this, this shell, if you're like this chaff, you're gonna be separated from the wheat, those who've received the good word, those who have come to know Christ. He's saying there's this separation that's going to happen. And understand this, we receive all kinds of words in our life every day. The question is, will we receive into our hearts the chaff of this world or will we receive the good seed that is able to save us? Then, then we have to look at this and understand this, that we will become whatever we receive. If we receive what is empty, we will be empty. If we receive what is good and what is right and God's word that produces fruit, then we will produce fruit. We will become what we receive. We will become what we receive. My challenge to you today is to receive this plea of God to return. Don't let your hearts be hardened. Receive the word of God. He goes on there in verse 13, uh, and back over in Joel. He says this. It says, rend your heart and not your garments. 
Rend your heart and not your garments. So Joel begins with a plea, and then he comes to this place where God is making this decree. He's telling them, I want your heart, not your outward show. I want your heart, not your outward appearance. He's saying, don't just tear your clothes. The Jews, when they were mourning or they were distraught about something, they would often tear their clothes in this sign that, like, this is really bothering me, right? I'm heartbroken over this. Then God's saying, look, don't tear your clothes if your heart is not moved. Don't do an outward show because what I'm really interested in is your heart. How many of you have watched the Michael Jordan documentary that ESPN did? Anybody seen that? What the heck's wrong with y'all, right? Anybody seen that? Yeah, figured somebody had, right? Um, and when I watch stuff like that, it fires me up. It makes me want to like run through a wall or something. It gets me excited. And that's how it was with this. And one of the parts that really fired me up was they were interviewing one of Michael Jordan's formal, former coaches. And they interviewed him and he said he was talking to another player one day. And he said, you can't just cut it off and cut it on, meaning how you're going to play. And if you played sports, you've probably heard that. You can't just turn it on and turn it off, turn it on, turn it off, play when you want to, not when you want to. He said, I've only coached one player in my life that could turn it on and turn it off when he wanted to. And that was Michael Jordan, but he never turned it off. That fired me up, man. That is awesome, right? But that should be our worship. That should be our life for God. We don't ever turn it off. And God is saying this, and here's where the problem comes in. The problem is when we can switch on the appropriate actions without our heart even being moved. We can go through the right motions without our heart being moved. God said, I'm not interested in you tearing your clothes. I'm not interested in an outward show. What I'm interested in is your heart. Will you come to me? In this, he's not crying out to tell us to make some, a sac some sacrifice or some atonement for anything. He's just saying, come to me. Bring your heart to me. He goes on and tells us why this can happen. It's because he is gracious and compassionate, slow to anger and abounding in love, relenting from sending calamity. He's reminding us. He gives us a plea, return. He gives us a decree, bring your heart. He says, now, look, look, I'm slow to anger. I'm abounding in love. I'm compassionate. I'm loving all of these things. And he's telling us in this, he's saying, come to me because this is who I am. We sing a song, I mean, who is this? Who is this? It's Jesus, who's full of grace and compassion and love and truth, justice, righteousness. And he just says, come, come to me. God says, come to me. Through faith in Christ, you can approach my throne of grace with confidence. Because of who he is, we can return. And then listen in verses 15 and 16. He says, blow the trumpet. The trumpet for them had a lot of different ways they would blow it. Sometimes it meant a symbol for war. Sometimes it meant a symbol for worship. There was different um, ways they would blow the trumpet. But he says, blow the trumpet in Zion. Declare a holy fast. Call a sacred assembly. Gather the people. Consecrate the assembly. Bring together the elders. Gather the children, those nursing at the breast. Let the bridegroom leave his room and the bride her chamber. In other words, what he's telling us now is he's made a plea, a decree. He has um, reminded us of who he is. And now he's saying, because of this, look, gather the people. Return to me, people. He's not just calling an individual. He's calling the people who are his. 
And here's my heart in this, is that I hope you hear this, that God is calling us as his people to to gather, to worship, to come together, to come back if we wandered. God loves to see his children get along, his children gather to worship. It's kind of like me with my boys. I get frustrated when they fight. One, because it's aggravating, but two, I'm like, y'all just love each other. Get along. And God even tells us in the Psalms that when we dwell together there, he says, I command a blessing. Why? Because that's what he intended, a unique community of people that would worship him and glorify him throughout the earth. He says it's not just one or two here or there. He's saying, I'm calling for a move of people back to me, a move of people bringing their heart to me. The last thing we see in this section is he's calling us, to the, he's summoning us to himself. He says, let the priest who minister before the Lord weep between the portico and the altar. And what he's saying in this is these priests were to go and stand between the portico where the the average Joe, the average person could go and the altar, the Holy of Holies. And he's saying, I want you to stand between them and I want you to mediate, intercede on their behalf. In other words, I want you to pray. I want you to weep for them that they would come back, that their hearts would return to me. He's calling these priests to that. He says, let them say, spare your people, Lord. Do not make your inheritance an object of scorn, a byword among the nations. Why should they say among the peoples, where is their God? He's saying, stand in the gap. Pray for them. Call them back. Make intercession for them. And so this is God's summons. And then God gives this response. He says this, if you will do this, if you will return, if you will return to me, this is what will happen. It says, then the Lord was jealous for his land and took pity on his people. And we can think about sometimes jealousy can be a bad thing. Like if you're a real jealous boyfriend, like that, that probably gets old, right? But here's the other side of the coin. If, if you are in a relationship, like you're married to somebody and there's not a little bit of like, I want you, nobody else can have you, then like that kind of would bother me. Like if Susan wouldn't get a little bit jealous, you know, like that kind of says to me, like maybe she don't want me that much anymore. You know what I mean? And this is what's happening with God is they, he's saying, look, if you come back, look, I'm jealous. I, I love you. I want you. I don't want any false God to have you. I don't want any other peoples to have you. I want you for myself. The Lord replied in return, and listen to this. Are y'all with me? Y'all good? Everybody good? Everybody excited? Y'all look fired up. See a few people taking notes. A few people like, oh, God. Wish I had that bag of sunflower seeds. (laughs) Right? It's hot up here. I'm going to be sweating through this shirt before we're done, so just go ahead and prepare. It'll be gross. But listen to what he says. This is what God says. He says, when you return to me, he says, I'm sending, I'm sending you grain, new wine and olive oil enough to satisfy you fully. He says, I am sending. What does that mean? I am sending. Is that past? Is that future? No, that is right now. He's saying, if you return to me, I am sending now. And what I want you to understand is that when we return, restoration begins immediately. 
He says, when you return to me, I don't care, you were wayward, you went off, you made a bad turn, you went the wrong way. But guess what? When you return and you come back to me, you know what happens? Restoration begins immediately. He says, the moment you come back, the moment I begin to restore, the moment you bring your heart, the moment I begin to heal it, the moment you begin to, to worship me again and you come back to me, the moment I begin to work in your life. And he says, I'm jealous for you, I want you, I love you. I want you to be with me. Verse 20. So this restoration happens as the moment we return. Verse 20, he says, I will drive the northern horde far from you. He's talking about these locusts. At this point, it can mean really locusts, like these bugs that are going to come in and destroy. It could mean an army. Uh, it can mean either or. But whatever it is, he says, I will drive this northern horde from you pushing it into parched and barren land. Its eastern ranks will drown in the sea and its western ranks in the Mediterranean. And he says, its stench will go up, its smell will rise. In other words, it's a picture of him utterly destroying this enemy. He says, surely he has done great things. He says at the beginning, I will drive the northern horde far from you. When we look at this, I want you to see that when we return, when we turn back to the Lord, when we hear his summons to come to me and we respond, then the sin that we were pursuing, the judgment that would be upon that sin, what God is saying is it is separated from you. I will take that, I will separate it. Elsewhere in the Bible, he tells us that our, our sin is separated as far from us as the east is from the west. He says it's like it's gone into the bottom of the sea. It will never come back to you again. And he said, when you return to me, restoration begins immediately and I separate this completely from you. Verse 21 to 23, listen to this. This is incredible. He says, do not be afraid, land of Judah. He goes down to 22. Do not be afraid, you wild animals. He goes down to 23. Be glad, people of Zion. Rejoice in the Lord your God. What's he telling us here? Everything that had been damaged through the curse because of their sin, everything that had been damaged, the land, the animals, um, the people, all of creation. He says, when you return to me, it will be restored. He says, if you'll bring my heart to, your heart to me, it will be restored. In other words, my restoration of you will be complete. I will leave nothing incomplete. His restoration begins immediately. His restoration removes the sin, removes judgment, anything far from us and his restoration is complete. Verse 23, the end of that, end of four. He says, he sends you abundant showers. There's one time he talks about the rain, both autumn and spring rains. Two times he talks about the rain as before. The threshing floors will be filled with grain. The vats will overflow with new wine and oil. Up above that, he says, for he has given you the autumn rains because he is faithful. So three times he mentions rain. And the reason for this was their entire life depended on rain. And he said, I'm gonna send this rain to you. And what would that do? It would restore life, but it was a refreshing. God is saying, if you'll return to me, I will refresh you. I'll give new life to you. He's saying, return to me and this will happen. Verse 25 he says, I will repay you 
for the years the locust have eaten. I'll repay you for the years the locust have eaten. In other words, I'll redeem the time. I'll redeem the loss. See, here's the reality. When we stray away from God, we will earn the wages that we receive, which will always end up being destruction. But God says, even though you earned what you received, guess what? I will compensate you for what was lost. And many of us look at this and we, we feel like that all this time was wasted. And God says, I can redeem the time. I can use the time. I can use even what seems like it was wasted. I can use that for good. He says, look, not all is lost. I can redeem this. You're not irrevocably damaged. Your life is not unredeemable. And here's what was intended to happen in verse 26. You will have plenty to eat until you are full. And you will praise the name of the Lord, your God, who has worked wonders for you. Never again will my people be shamed. Then you will know that I am in Israel, that I am the Lord, your God, and that there is no other. Never again will my people be shamed. See, this is what God is telling us. And this is the point of this is that when we return, see, return happens because we made a bad turn. When we return, what he's telling us is, I'm gonna pour out all this grace. I'm gonna rain, rain, rain grace into your life. I'm gonna rain, rain, rain my power into your life. And the intent of this was, one, to provide for us, but ultimately, it was so that the temple, that the people would be full of praise again, that they would worship him again. It's literally speaking to this, literally that the temple would be filled once again with a hallelujah, that the people's praise would be put back into their mouths, that they would once again become excited about God and who he is and what he's about and what he's doing. And here's the thing that I know, and I'm hoping, man, I'm hoping, look, I'm hoping that the Spirit is stirring something in you. I hope that somehow you would hear the voice of the Lord calling you back. I'm hoping right now that you would be able to experience the Spirit of God reverberating in your soul. I hope that right now the Spirit of God would rain down on you. And just like rain is refreshing to a dry and thirsty land, that the Spirit of God would refresh your dry and thirsty soul. I pray that this would not be some other action. I want you to know that what we're doing right here, right now, it matters. And if it doesn't matter to us, then we are the most to be pitied of all people because we don't realize the grace of God that we have been given. And my prayer and my heart in this is that we would once again be filled with a hallelujah, that we would once again be filled for, with praise, that God's church, his house, would once again be filled with worship. I'd ask you to stand if you would and we're gonna sing this song.
God said, rend your heart, not your garments. Rend your heart, not your garments. For some of us, we need to rend our hearts. We need to bring our hearts to the Lord. I'm gonna do this a little different than at nine. I'm inviting you during this song to come here. Rend your heart, not your garments. Rend your heart. Don't play around here. Rend your heart. Bring your heart to the Lord. Maybe you need to take a physical action to symbolize what's happening in your heart. Rend your heart. God is saying, come to me, come to me, come to me. I can't preach you to God. All I can do is pray that the Holy Spirit would draw you. But this morning, would you return? This morning, can we from our heart declare a hallelujah to the Lord? It literally means praise his name. In other words, praise him for who he is. He's given us the spirit to declare Jesus in the world. I was meeting with a friend of mine. He's a mentor of mine the other day. And he asked me, he said, you know, when I listen to you preach, you have a lot of passion. He said, you've been doing this for a long time now. He said, it seems like it'd just be easy to throw a message together and to go out there and give it. Like, why are you still passionate about what you do? Here's why I'm passionate about what I do, because it matters because it is important, because God has called us to decree his word, to decree his hope, to carry this message to people who need to come home. You got a key or you should have when you came in. If not, you can get one when you leave. But this key, I want it to represent two different things for us today. If you think about a key, and say you've got a son, you've got a daughter, they're going off, moving out. Maybe they are going their own way. You give them a key, what does it mean? It means you can come home when you want to. The door's always open. And one of the things I want this key to represent for you is that you can return to God. That he's made a way for us to return in Christ and that no matter how far we've wandered, we can return. The second thing I want you to let this represent is it also represents the fact that God has given us the keys to the kingdom. And what I believe the keys to the kingdom are is God's word, the gospel. It is the key that unlocks the kingdom, the proclamation of God's word. And you have been given that if you are in Christ and you have received the Holy Spirit and you have been given this key that can unlock the kingdom of heaven for others. And here's what I know. We talked about this last week. There's been a great falling away. And I wonder if you pray and ask God, God, who needs this key? Who needs to know that they can return? This is what I believe. God would lay it on your heart, someone that you need to go talk to. Someone that in love, you need to go and say, hey, look, because I love you, I want you to know that you can return. 
I want you to know that you can come back. Who is that person in your life? This is what I know. Some of you, that person's already been on your heart. This is a nudge to encourage you to go. Why? Because it matters. Because it matters. I believe this is urgent, y'all. I really do. I know none of y'all have ever done this, ever been in this situation. But when you're in a bar and they're about to close, there's a couple of words that are usually said in that bar. Anybody know where I'm going with this? How many of you know those two words I'm about to say? Bunch of sinners, that's what y'all are. I've never heard this myself, but I've been told, right? Two words, last call. Last call. What does that mean? It means if you want a drink, you better come get it now because we're about to shut it down. And this is what I believe, and this is why this matters so much, guys. I believe God is making his last call. I believe it, guys. I believe those who want to drink need to come and get it now. I believe we live in a time where Matthew 24 talks about this. It says, the love of many will grow cold. He says, wickedness will increase and the love of many will grow cold. And this is one of the signs of the last day. I believe God is making a last call. And if even if Jesus doesn't come back for 500 years, we don't ever know when that last call for us is. My plea with you today is come to him. My plea with you today is go to someone. You were saved for a purpose. You were saved for a reason. For our relationship with God, but to decree his goodness in the world. Father, I thank you. Thank you, God, that you let us return. I thank you, God, that you've given us your spirit that tells us that we belong to you. I thank you, Lord, that God, uh, we can actually go in the power of that same spirit and decree to others that they can come home, that because of Jesus, no matter how far they've wandered or no matter if they've never had a relationship with you, God, they can come to you. Lord, I pray that this word would be good seed. The good seed that it is would find good soil and that what's sown, Lord, would produce a harvest for your kingdom. We love you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen, guys. Look, as we go, remember, you can always return. And who is it that needs to know this themselves in your life? God bless you.